And welcome on this Saturday morning to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. Hello, I'm Dan DiOrio, along with Ethan Wise from Hair Nursery. Green Thumb heard every Saturday at 7 o'clock. So pull up a chair, grab some Joe, and uh, we'll get rolling here with only a few shows left before the end of October. We're winding down. Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah. We have what? What is this? We have one, two, three, four shows after today. Wow. That's so. bananas. The whole year's just flown by. Again. Well, you know on a whole, you know how fast it's flown by? Look at the weeds in my perennial bed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Coming back. Want, oh, my God. Well, I'm taking it back. I mean, yes, I've, I've got yes. probably about 70% of it. Uh, done. Well, and, how, how's the creeping Charlie coming along? Oh, that's still. I didn't treat it enough. Are you kidding me? That's that's a third creeping of my yard. Creeping Charlie that's... has become the invading oh, Charlie. Oh, it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, that stuff is just tough to deal with, and that that uh, uh, bindweed. Uh, I know we've talked about the bindweed several times, but it is it is such a frustrating weed it makes me have violent thoughts sometimes oh just, my gosh like just you know what napalm the whole garden just yes. you know i'm going to start over fresh let's just burn everything down about three feet uh and then build in with fresh new soil and hopefully yeah. that'd be the way to get rid of bindweed i will tell you this though i cut back all the stems off my hosta kind of trimmed yeah. them up a little bit those yeah. hanging leaves i did uh there are some leaves in there from my ash tree and then i've been watering it real heavy and it kind of Bounced back with a nice little color because well, they were starting to brown. Well, yeah, especially in the heat of the summer. Yeah. So there is a chance that some people's hostas might kind of come out of any sort of summer funk that they were in. Yes. Um, I, I saw it because I watered. Yeah. I, I have, uh, I need to water. Uh, there's this front garden underneath my uh, big Japanese maple in the front of my yard. And uh, there's a big hosta there. Uh, in fact, I fertilized it last year with all of my rotting pumpkins. Um, and I'm sure my neighbors were kind of looking at me like, why is he storing this pile of rotting pumpkins there in the corner of this little nook in his house and sure enough that hosta came back this year like two three times bigger than it ever has because of the rotting pumpkins. yeah the fertilizer just just a bunch of food that the that the pumpkin released into the ground as it broke down um so i'm planning on doing that again this year but that hosta it's been beaten up by slugs it's kind of off of my beaten path uh yeah. and so it's got slug damage some scorching so i need to either cut it back or see if i can revitalize it for a little bit more of some cooler season yeah uh, since i've know. been watering they've bounced back okay Those brown edges starting to go away so they just need a lot of water a lot just, of water i'm i'm so used to, outside of my uh container pots because most of my hosses are in my backyard right on the north side mm -hmm. i never have to water those no. i think i've watered them twice this year well i have a big tree mm -hmm. and uh it yes. needs water so i just let the sprinkler go for a couple hours and just move it around and a lot of my flowers look better, and uh, my sedum especially appreciated it. Yeah. So, and that bugleweed that you have is just gorgeous. Some of the is best. Is that the big that, one? That's the ajuga, um, that low ground cover that oh, you yes. have. That purple leafed one. Oh yeah. Oh, See, that God. was starting to look bad, so I watered that. Is yes. it coming out yeah. as well? It'll. I think with the cooler weather, it'll look nice. And we oh. have loads of that at Hair Nursery. There's so many different colors of ajuga. Yeah. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite ground covers. Absolutely. And Jacob's ladder, I have, which is kind of a taller mm -hmm. they're like bunched yep with a variegated leaf yes. and it gets these little white bells of yep. flowers right yeah, the i have something that popped up next to it that almost looks like it and has these crazy purple flowers which brings me to a very philosophical question when you talk about weeds uh weeds are just plants 
in your uh, uh, bed that you don't want. Because Correct. a dandelion is a weed, yet it flowers. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of beautiful native weeds mm-hmm. that flower that look great. It's just that you don't want it in your... No, no, bindweed's different. That I'm singling out. <laughs> bindweed gets completely singled out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bindweed, uh, to me, is kind of a uh, a a radio-safe cuss word to say, like, yeah. ooh, you bindweed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, bindweed, but, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, you bindweed. Um, but... Um, if you don't know what bindweed is, um, if you've ever, like, downtown, uh, for instance, in Peoria or downtown Morton or whatever, they, uh, a lot of municipalities put out these giant containers with beautiful flowers. And oftentimes, outside of these containers, they have these things that spill over. Some of them are purple. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. And like, everything. A, like a, I think, a, a sweet potato vine. Is that what right. you're It looks kind of like. But a potato vine is a nice, bright, vibrant green that's mm-hmm. an oval, and it looks beautiful spilling over. It's a nice big leaf, and it's great in a container. Yep, wonderful stuff. The bindweed mimics that, but it's smaller, but when it gets around a light pole or if you leave a rake out for three days, it'll just, it just winds up everywhere and takes over, and you can't get it out. Well, I guess you have a you have a rare species that has been raking your yard. It climbed up, took oh, over yes. your rake, and it has been helping it you out. It has helped, but yes. But that's, I'm like, that's so. the rare occasion. Most people are not <laughs> going to get any garden help out of their bindweed. But it just it climbed up and cooked a burger on my grill. When I was <laughs> Did it share some? Yeah. For oh you? yeah, no, it's it's just horrible. So. Uh, but that's weeds. Weeds are basically plants that you don't want. Yeah, you could have a, you know, you could um, have a. Um, that's what natural prairie grasses are. Natural weeds that they flower. Exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. If you have a, if you have a tick seed or, or coreopsis um, in a part of your yard that's growing and you don't want it there, it's a weed. It's a weed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here we are. Um, this is actually. Um, and you'll hear a little bit later Dave Voda from Spring Green, who does mainly lawns, saying, mm-hmm. now is the time to do your lawn. Don't yes. wait till next year because this is the growing season. Yes. And there's a lot of work to do. And the thing about it is when it gets to your flower beds, there's still a lot of work to do in your flower beds. Uh, there's pruning. Like I said, I cut back the stem of my hostas. Mm-hmm. I've been trimming them up, those big, long, long leaves that hang over. Yes. And, it's, and water and still uh, looking nice. This is pruning time, right? Yeah, especially anything that has spent flowers on it. Yeah. Get rid of them. Uh, your daylilies, many of your daylilies, uh, if they're not a reblooming variety, yeah. um, which speaking actually, side tangent here. I was introduced to a daylily that we had this year that I knew nothing about called Going Bananas. Yeah. But it's, I'm always finding out about new plants every day uh, at that place, especially perennials. There's just so many of them. I can't keep up with everything. But it's called Going Bananas, and it's a rebloomer. Yeah. And we have some of those that are still pushing off flowers, and it's a big pastel yellow flower. Yeah. Kind of an improvement in my eyes from what I understood over the Stella. Yeah. But kind of an interesting... I have old daylilies, okay? They, just... they bloom once, and just when they bloom, the deer eat them. <laughs> so I never really get to enjoy them. Right. But they're more the orange variety, you know, the old... Sure. Yeah. Big, and the kind of, are they the tall ones? Like uh... Uh, They're only about a foot and a half. Oh, okay, so okay. they short daylilies, sure. and they push off flowers, and then the deer eat them. But it's usually once. I, there's one flower that bloomed. I don't know why they don't rebloom, or if they're if they're rebloomers. It might. It's probably not a rebooming species. So I may uh, I may just go in with the shovel, get rid of them, and get new ones. I want more. I want rebloomers. And you got a ton of those. Yeah, we have lots of dailies. Dailies. What's so great about them is most of them are hardy up to zone three, zone four. Mm-hmm. So the the lower the zone, the the 
higher the cold hardiness. So we're zone five, um, but sometimes we have zone four winters. Mm -hmm. So prepare late in the season when you're gardening. Pre look for those zone three, zone four. And that's what's nice about hemorrhocallus or daylily is that they have, uh, you know, most of those are a higher zone. And there's so many more reblooming varieties. I think so many people come in and they want a reblooming daylily. And, and if they know uh, something about daylilies, they, they say Stella. I want a Stella yeah. day or a daylily because they know that's a reblooming variety. But there are many more um, uh, varieties, uh, some that have big red flowers with yellow margins, orange and purple ruffled flowers. So rather gorgeous reblooming varieties. Now, you're not going to get much out of flower color this late in the season on a daylily. Even many of the rebloomers might only sporadically rebloom, mm -hmm. but it's not too late to plant them. And in fact, if you like daylilies, and I, we always talk, I've, I've said it before, you have to water a daylily with gasoline to, to get rid of it yeah. if you really want to, or just dig it up and, and, uh, and toss it. But uh, they are not blooming heavily right now, which is one of the things I wanted to talk about and how you pick a perennial this late in the season and what are good ones to pick and which ones are Yeah, aren't. that fall color. I'm mm -hmm. always looking for that fall color, and that's why I love sedum. And there are other great fall colors, some that are just now blooming big, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And so, my, But my trick or my tip is, and now this is more... Um, Ethan's opinion versus a hardcore scientific statement rooted in loads of peer-reviewed studies. Mm -hmm. But my my uh, opinion is, and, and this is what I would practice as well, so I'm not telling anyone listening to do something that I wouldn't do myself, but pick a plant that's not flowering right now, and that's going to be hard. You're going to come to a garden center and you're going to see these beautiful flowers still blooming, coneflower blooming, uh, we have salvia blooming, and um, a Russian sage and flocks and all these beautiful plants, but find one that you like, find one that's blooming. So you have an idea of what that flower is going to look like. But if you can find one that isn't blooming right now, look for that plant, look for the, you know, there's gonna be a cluster of a dozen or 20 of them. See one that's blooming, be like, that's the plant I want in summer and fall. And and then find one, scurry around in there. If you're going to plant one. Right, yeah. with minimal flowers, and put that one in the ground. Because the flowers take up a lot of energy. It's and an you expensive want, process. And you want the energy in the roots. Exactly. Yeah. The same, so there's uh, growth hormones that go towards the, the, you know, the, the flower production and to new growth. And also some of those growth hormones go right into the root production. But also the nutrient phosphorus is used by both phosphorus is used in root production it's also used in flower and bud production so it's hard for it to split up that phosphorus it either wants to flower or it wants the root. It's hard for it to do both equally at the same time. So little flowers means it's going to focus its energy on root production and that's what you should focus on this late in the season. So it's not good at multitasking. Right it's yeah. hard yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. hard. All right, so, uh, and that's the tip. If you want it, you can still distill planting time. Yes. And so you can do all that and get some root uh, stimulator. Absolutely. That's yeah. going to be a huge game changer. All right. You were telling me, uh, let's go to the garden. Yeah. That if you have grown broccoli and some cool other stuff all season, and we'll get into planting that now, some of it may come back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I can get this uh, uh, bindweed squirrel to stop eating my... Uh, 
uh, strawberries, I'm mm-hmm. expecting my strawberries to come back maybe for a nice little cool season push. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an ever-bearing, I have a row of ever-bearing strawberries. If you have June-bearing strawberries, sorry, folks, you're out of luck. Um, but if you have ever-bearing strawberries, you might have uh, a nice little push of those coming back. Um, and if you have any cool season crops that you planted in spring, uh, you, you know, any lettuces, some of those might have already bolted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and more than likely, most people's lettuces and cabbage bolted already. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have something like broccoli, you might have success with getting that to come back out of its of its summer funk. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to do uh, this weekend um, uh, is uh, probably Sunday. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to prune up my broccoli a little bit and I'm going to uh, say some kind words to it mm-hmm. and see if I can get a nice little late season flush uh, before it's done for the season. Now, this is the time, and I know people who do it, that plant right now absolutely cool weather crops yeah yeah and we have um you know different ornamental kales and cabbages at hair nursery now they're edible mm-hmm. um i think they have a thicker leaf to them so they're they're a little bit tougher which is why they're not marketed as being an edible variety but mm-hmm. if you really wanted to you could grow those in your garden um but uh you know i have to talk and, and see and i'll hopefully have an update for our next show as to whether or not we plan on getting any late season cool coal crops c-o-l-e sometimes confused with cold crops, yeah. which makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, look forward to, like I said, if you have strawberries, you might get a nice late, late put on, push on that. And if you have any sort of broccoli, uh, go ahead and, and experiment with me. I challenge you to experiment with me. If your broccoli is still there, you might have some tall spikes, um, some some flower heads on them that got a little bit out of hand. Go ahead and prune those, cut them back, um, and see if you can get a late season push on those. And I will keep you updated on what happens in my garden there. Uh, uh, and then my tomatoes, peppers, all still uh, blooming. Uh, my tomatoes kind of sort of coming back. I have my my uh, orange or my sun sugar tomatoes, which are cherry tomatoes, still doing well. My lemon boys decimated by uh, those rascally, those bindweed um, uh, tomato hornworms. Uh, but I have a Roma tomato, which is still producing way more than I thought it would because it was a determinate variety. And we talked about that yes, earlier in the season. Yes, determinate and indeterminate. And so it totally makes sense that my um, that my sun sugar, which is a, kind of like a cherry tomato, is still blooming because that's an indeterminate vining variety of tomato. Mm-hmm. But I totally expected that my little Napoli Roma tomato would be done by now. And it is not. It's still going on. So maybe I have to reevaluate my knowledge on determinate and indeterminate yeah. because it's kind of going against the mold. All right. Um, now, you know, if you want to grow some late leaf salads, this is a good time to put it in. If but, you can find it, yeah. But it, you don't have any starters, right? You'd have to grow it from seed. Yes. And if you explain to me, people may not know about this, the great seed shortage. Yeah, well, that was a that was a big thing at the beginning of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the shortage was, it wasn't so much that the seed wasn't available. They couldn't get the seed to people. So it was it was partially a supply chain um, problem. And and, you know, I was looking at at, uh, oh, shoot. Now I'm blocking the name of this big heirloom seed baker seeds. um, And they had posted something on their website earlier in the season. They're saying, like, we have seeds. We just can't get them packages that packaged and sent to people. Um, And so they were having to put things as sold out, not necessarily because they really were shorthanded on them, but because they there was no way for them to get them to people, hmm. uh, especially by the time that people would need the plant the them to be successful. The supply chain problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. I didn't know. So it's even affecting seeds. So yes. next year, 
There may be less seed around. There's a possibility, um, you know, and I don't want to encourage people to like get, you know, scared and start over purchasing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be worthwhile if you know there's something that you love and there's an heirloom species that you just struggle with finding. For me, um, I love the lemon boy uh, tomato, which is sometimes easy to, easy to find. And then there's another one called White Queen. And my mom grew this one and she really loved it. Um, and I, I can't remember what she said. I'll have to check with her and figure out uh, because we found out that it was an heirloom species. Mm-hmm. And so she was going to save some seeds from that tomato. And I can't remember if she ended up growing those or not. And if they really were true to seed, yeah. Um, but so, White Queen is a really awesome heirloom bar- variety. And, and so, the, speaking of that, and the old timers I talked to, take a tomato when they cut it up, and they mm-hmm. will put the seeds on some paper towel, let mm-hmm. it dry, and save it for next year. Yes. But they said only certain tomatoes are have a good response to that, and heirloom's one of them, right? Yes. Yeah. And heirloom um, it literally means true to seed. Yeah. So when you hear that about something, that means you know it's called an heirloom. Sometimes you'll even see uh, perennials referred to as heirlooms, and that means they're true to seed. Mm-hmm. So like uh, the native coneflower, Echinacea uh, right. purpura, is is true to seed. Its seeds grow into that plant. We were talking about a possible seed shortage, and, and I wanted to get a little bit more of this. Heirloom tomatoes, I know people who dry them in every year. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, uh, my grandpa well, uh, would would look at heirloom tomatoes at the market. He goes, those are too pretty. He goes, the ugly ones. Get the <laughs> yes. ugly ones. Those, yes. are, those are the best. The ones that look like they might have survived on a leper colony for several years yes. before he they goes, made it to the shelves. Those are the ones that are fresh and have the most taste. <laughs> yes. He didn't like pretty things. He liked the ugly heirlooms. But you were talking about cone flowers and everything. You... Can you actually save seeds from some of your perennials? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's certain plants, especially natives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes those seeds don't develop into anything for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah, the, the Echinacea purpurea, uh, purpura, um, which is a native variety, and those will produce seeds. Now, you'll be hard-pressed to get seeds. Uh, many birds use those as a natural food source, especially finches. But, um, but yeah, those are true to seed, which means so when I say that... When it comes to a perennials, there are some perennials, especially with the massive amount of hybridization that goes on anymore to provide uh, a smaller plant, a more compact plant, a longer season blooming plant, mm-hmm. uh, one that has a different color. You know, it normally blooms purple. Now they now they found a way to make it bloom pink. So sometimes those are tissue culture. And tissue culture literally is, is they, they are, are cutting off pieces and getting those to root and develop a root system, and then you have those. Well, that means that if something happens to the scion, what's above ground, and, and it grows, uh, and, and that dies, that the root system might not always grow back to be that color that you found, mm-hmm. whereas something that's heirloom um, or true to seed means that even if everything else dies and there's a little sliver of root system down there and it comes back, it's going to come back as that same species. Oh. Um, and so and, and sometimes things are grafted as well. Not usually, You don't usually see that in, in the perennial market, but some shrubs, lots of trees um, end up being grafted onto a different root system, and that's where you end up seeing suckers that come up around the base of your tree sometimes some trees are just more prone to do that sometimes that's the rootstock of that tree which isn't the same as the scion above ground trying to um, come out of the woodworks and say hey i'm here too um, and you got to cut those back or else they could take over you know uh, the funny thing is so uh, i had a maple tree that died mm-hmm. and then next spring there was a twig that shot mm-hmm. up and i'm like oh it's a maple and some guy goes by he goes no that's a hickory you're gonna have to cut that <laughs> That gets huge. 
I'm like, how did a hickory come out of a maple? But I don't know. Yeah, I, I doubt that it was grafted, but no, maybe maybe a squirrel put it there. I was saying, imagine something buried it, and the hickory was like, yes, my nemesis is dead. No, I'm now going, I'm ready. Now is my time to shine. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of trees and shrubs, when we go to prune. Uh, you were saying, I got that maple, you were seeing it to the side, that kind of really cool color, but yeah. they had those low-hanging uh, branches, and you go, it's too hot, and technically, the best time to prune a tree, if you want to get rid of all those lower branches, is winter. So, for any major pruning you want to do, if you're looking and you're going to prune 25, 30% of that tree away, yeah. wait until dormancy, wait until those leaves are, are gone. gone, or, you know, some trees hold on to their leaves even though they're brown. Yeah. If all the leaves are brown, it's dormant. You know, yeah. oaks will do that. Um, and oaks, by the way, you want to prune in fall during or fall winter during dormancy yeah. you do not want to prune an oak in summer in our climates because it risks the chance of getting a nasty fungal infection but maples if it's minor pruning you can very successfully prune a maple but better in and summer. cooler better in cooler weather though right for major pruning yeah. if you have small little pruning you know if you want to clean up that clean up that you have a cross branch yeah. um or you have a you know a branch that's uh, rubbing or doing something you don't want go ahead and prune that off of your maple in summer it's not going to harm it whatsoever, but serious pruning, most serious pruning on any trees, dormancy is best. And I heard um, in the winter, well, the reason it's best time to uh, prune then is because when you make that cut, it's cold, it seals, and, and disease can't get in. Yeah, and yeah, that's another big factor too is, is sometimes that fresh wound, even though we might not always be able to smell something, yeah. but there's a lot of insects that will smell that and they're like, oh, fresh wound, I can, I can get direct, uh, untapped, unfiltered uh, connection to the, the juices that are in that tree. Mm -hmm. And many times insects carry a fungus on them. They might not even know it. They're un they're unknowing, um, you know, mules for this fungus, uh, and they they go on to that fresh wound and they're feeding, and then the fungus gets in that open wound and travels into the tree. We see that with fire blight. So you know, birds, um, birds will jump from a pear tree to a pear tree or other things in the rose family as well. Um, and they'll pluck off the fresh fruit or something, even that little inconspicuous fruit on an ornamental pear tree. Well, they might have the fungus on them from another infected tree. They bite off. Uh, they make an open wound in that tree, plucking the fruit. And now that tree just got the fungus from that bird's mouth. Hmm. Um, so and then all of a sudden you start noticing this brown curling end to your tree. And that branch gets worse and worse and worse, continuously getting brown and crunchly. And uh, and then uh, two years down the road, you're like, this huge section of my tree is dead. Well, you got fire blight, um, oh. and it probably there's a chance it started from just a little innocent birdie. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, shrubs. Uh, most of the time, I mean, you could cut uh, the the old fashioned uh, lilacs at any time. I mean, pretty much after they bloom, you can just start cutting away. Yes. Most most shrubs you can. Which ones do you have to be real careful about? So I always caution people with hydrangeas. Mm -hmm. um, hydrangeas are one of those ones that uh, I think is one of the most common plants that people come in and ask, why isn't it flowering? And one of the biggest issues, depending on the type of hydrangea that you have, if you have an oak leaf or if you have um, many types of macrophylla hydrangeas, those are your big leaf hydrangeas like Endless Summer, Bloomstruck. The big, big round. Yeah, right, but usually like pink or, or can color change. So your color changing hydrangeas, the ones that you can 
can change the pH of the soil mm -hmm. and make it pink or make it purple or blue. Mm -hmm. uh, those uh, are generally macrophylla hydrangeas. And many of those species bloom on old wood, just yeah. like your oak leaf hydrangeas. And if you prune those in fall, you are more than likely not going to have flowers or very, very, very limited flowers the following season. Yeah. And that's because with macrophyllas and oak leaves, they need, I believe, at least a two-year-old growth in order to produce a flower. Hmm. Now, I got the big old-fashioned white ones, mm -hmm. the big puffballs, yeah. you know, which, which are great for cutting off and putting in water inside, yeah. and they brown, and they still look good, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking at it these days, and it's just like, okay, you're getting ridiculous. It's just happy and yep. big and just um, – so can I trim around and kind of – contain that a little bit you got to hire the deer to come out and do that for you <laughs> you know what they were eating it early yeah, but they I don't do it telling me that yeah um but no but it's just like ridiculous can i yes. do this can i do that now is it cool enough annabelle's uh bloom on both old and new wood they're okay. very forgiving yeah. um i think they bloom most prolifically on old wood and that older wood is going to be sturdier and so i i only cut it down to about a foot and a half two feet Mm -hmm. the, this and it's still, now it's huge. Yeah, yeah. now it's tall as, as yeah, tall yeah. as a person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Annabelle's, uh, uh, anything that's in that arborescence, uh, smooth hydrangea family, those are, so the Annabelle's and arborescence are, are a native species and cultivars of them um, also can bloom on old and new wood. So those are okay to prune. Now, if, if you're tired of looking at it, it's not producing the way that you thought it was going to. It's kind of burnt out for the season. It's okay to prune that. Um, I think with the hydrangea, though, I would recommend waiting until spring mm -hmm. um, I, that's or, what I do a lot of pruning I think does best in early spring it also works to revitalize that plant mm -hmm. when a plant gets pruned back it encourages this growth in them and they call it revitalization pruning for that reason is it kind of like oh what's happening this is nerve-wracking okay my internal time clocks telling me it's close to start producing growth and when you cut them hard in spring then uh, it sometimes can encourage a really nice vigorous flush of new growth in uh, for the rest of that season yeah and I, I just like the fact that it's still big and bushy and in the winter in the winter yes. it kind of looks better than cutting it back so I, I like that now here's one thing and, and I haven't done it I I I have to do some siding on my house to get that all cleaned up before I do it for maybe next year or so. And I like roses. I like mm -hmm. big roses. Pruning and throughout the summer, I, I can never get it right because the old timer said, oh, you got to get the suckers out and you got to get these little things mm -hmm. out. And I never know. I'd like to take a class on how, because some roses you have to prune just right throughout the season, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I think um, the older fashion rose, grandifloras, floribundas, hybrid uh, teas, those can be a little bit more meticulous to flowering mm -hmm. um, or, or to being pruned, I should say. And what I usually recommend uh, for those, for people who have those roses, you can prune in fall. Um, once again, I, I think you'll be just as successful, if not maybe slightly more, if you wait until early spring. When I say early spring, I mean mid-March, end of March. Mm -hmm. It's still kind of cold outside. I realize it's not everyone's favorite time of uh, being out in the garden, but I think you can be more successful that way. And with those older fashion varieties, you're going to look for about um, three to four sturdy branches, and those are the ones you're going to keep. You're going to get rid of all those weak, small branches that are going all over the place. Because they're taking up food. Yes. Shave them down and keep three to four sturdy, thick um 
three quarter, uh, three, uh, I, I should say, a third inch to a half inch thick branch and leave those. And that's going to be what produces lots of healthy new growth and could lead to a more prolific flowering season on that plant. I was talking to someone who was experimenting with roses and they go, just, they're just not flowering the way I want. And mm-hmm. and I've heard you got to keep fertilizing them all year. Right? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. they want to bloom. So especially, especially shrub roses, the um, any knockout roses, drift roses, um, oh so easy, easy elegance, uh, just many types of shrub roses. Those are prolific flowers. They're going to flower all season long. Mm-hmm. And you can be meticulous about pruning them. Um, and there's probably going to be some uh, master gardeners or horticulturists that might listen to They're going to cringe when I say this. Um, but I am not a meticulous knockout uh, rose shrub bloomer. In fact, there was a horticulturist that I work with. She walked away when I was showing a customer. Look, I was like, I told her, I was like, you can prune. You can look for that five leaflet branch yeah. and cut right above that. Yeah. And that's what many people are, are familiar with with roses. Oh, you want to go down to a nice full five leaflet um, section and cut right above that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was showing this lady. I was like, this knockout is so forgiving. I said, look, I said, I'm not even going to look at it. And I looked away and I started just snipping the plant. Yeah. <laughs> Culture's like, I gotta go. I can't watch you do this. Yeah. She's like, I know it's gonna be okay, but I can't do that. I yeah. can't watch you do this. And so I tell people, like, that's a plant that's very forgiving. You can you can just kind of go through with your head shears and just shave off a top inch or two inch of a of a shrub rose, mm-hmm. and and it'll come back in a couple weeks to produce all kinds of new flowers for you. But fertilize after you prune, yeah. and that'll make a huge difference. Yeah, I heard you got to regularly fertilize roses throughout the year. Yeah, flower boosters, uh, things with high phosphorus count. Because um, I, I thought about getting into the roses because I like sure. roses. Um, but uh, the thing is, a year like this, was it tough on roses? Not terribly. Um, it was banana. We sold out of roses, I think, faster than we ever had. We had a hard time getting them. Once again, the, what the, you know, supply the, chain. yeah, the t- tail of the tape for the season, you know, people are getting burnt out on hearing it, but yeah, supply chain issues with getting our roses, but we did finally get them. Um, but we sold out like crazy. It was Bam, done. We usually have, you know, maybe a couple dozen at the end of the year that we're selling dirt cheap. Um, and uh, and this year we didn't really have any to sell dirt cheap. We sold them all um, by the time they hit 50% off. But uh, David Austin's, I would recommend getting into David Austin's. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. More expensive rose. Um, but phenomenal. So they're, they're usually hybridized roses, um, of the English rose selection. They're going to bloom, uh, more prolifically than your standard old fashioned rose. Not as heavily as, say, a knockout might, but you're going to have fragrance. They That's smell what I amazing. Love. Yeah. And, uh, and this is my, my trick too. It's like, there's, there's lots of really good smelling roses, but there's something about a purple rose mm-hmm. that, that lavender, dark pink, light purple, or deep purple rose that just smells phenomenal. It's it's intoxicating. And we were talking about this um, earlier, and we did a whole show or two on it. And if you like vases, and you like taking your garden from outside and then moving it inside by making clippings and yeah. putting them in there, yeah. uh, that roses are great, salvia, we went through all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but roses, that's why people get roses, so they can bring them inside. Oh, I'm half tempted when I smell a purple rose, I want to take it out for dinner. Yeah. Uh, that just, <laughs> you know, I'll probably get some judgy looks, you know, here and there, but, uh, but man, does it smell so good. There's one called Ebb Tide, and I think 
think it's a I'm pretty sure it's a Floribunda um, rose. And holy cow, if you are into roses, get your hands on an ebb tide. They're going to be hard. We usually only get about uh, anywhere from five to ten of them in a growing season or in our season. And they're gone out the door. Uh, But wow, it's one of the best smelling roses I've ever smelled. You know, if you do take a purple rose to dinner and you want want, want (laughs) to. Make it not look so bad. Take Steve the plant with. Yes. Dinner I'll say, for three. I'll say I'm just with both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. This is the couple. I'm chaperoning. Yeah. <laughs> that will be a way of, of probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People definitely won't look at me weird. Plus, uh, after Steve that. gets lonely. He doesn't get out much. He might like the company. And so. Steve's becoming such a, a celebrity. He might be recognized. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. If we'll I have to t- get him some sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. All right, so we got a couple minutes left. Still, if you uh, like that, uh, Halloween's coming up. You've got, there's you got a ton of stuff, don't you? Oh, pumpkin. So I'm I I need I. Shoot, I left a bunch of pumpkins in my car from last <laughs> night. I bought more pumpkins, yeah. um, so I got to get those out. But, yeah, we have so many cool, unique pumpkins. You can get a pumpkin, you know, that's – it's massive, like a, a, a foot and a half by a foot and a half uh, big orange pumpkin for $6. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's the most expensive pumpkin we have. Do you have decorative gourds? We do have a whole load of gourds. You can get uh, pretty much any gourd that you can imagine for about $0.50 cents, yeah. uh, to uh, $2 or so, depending on – on how big it is, super funky ones. Uh, we got whole row of pansies, which are just gorgeous, and so many mums. We have mums that'll flower now. We have mums that'll flower probably by October, and we have some mums that haven't even produced the tiniest little bit of color yet. Those They're, are the ones you want, right? Yeah, now. the buds that are still super duper tiny, and those you might be able to get to last until Thanksgiving. And uh, do you have the big stalks of uh, colored corn? Yeah, yeah, uh, the millets yeah. Um, and the bright green leaves with this purpley burgundy flower head on it, which is gorgeous. So if you're looking to kind of, uh, and I need to do this with one of my uh, pots, I have a petunias and a palm in one of my planters and it's time it's getting, it's just, it's, it's done. So I need to replace it. And I considered putting millet in the center. And then I was going to put um, uh, maybe some, we have some low coleus, which would do really well. Um, Some spreading coleus and some celosia uh, and, uh, and maybe even some pansies in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's time for me to place to replace my summer annuals with fall annuals. There you go. All right. So uh, hours are nine to five Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. um, and we, those will be our hours uh, through pretty much the remainder of the season until we close uh, right around Christmas Eve. And still plenty of mulch left if you want to do some fall mulching. Yes. For Ethan Wise, I'm Dan DiOrio. Thanks for listening to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. See you next Saturday at seven.